All right, all right, take your seats, everyone. This time we're talking about permission giving thoughts. So please take your seats. Thank you. This is the Change Academy podcast, a show where we apply our training in nutrition, movement, and most importantly, behavior change to help you create sustainable positive changes in your habits, your mindset, and your life. I'm Monica Reinagle. And I'm Brock Armstrong. Permission giving thoughts are the thoughts that we allow into our brain that result in us choosing to engage in a behavior that we're working to avoid. And in this episode, we are going to look at where they came from and how to work with them. That's right. And even if that phrase, permission giving thoughts, is not familiar to you, I guarantee you know exactly what we're talking about here. Absolutely. <laughs> permission giving thoughts are all of those reasons and excuses that our brains are so good at coming up with for continuing to engage in habitual behaviors, which we've identified as unhelpful. So for example, you've decided you want to start exercising after work, or you've resolved not to drink wine on the weekdays, or to cut out the pastry that you always order with your afternoon coffee, or not to buy anything new for a month, or whatever it is. And you have lots of good reasons for doing this. You're convinced that it's in your best interest. Yeah, those all sound great to me. <laughs> yeah, but then when the moment to follow through on that plan comes up, you suddenly have a thought that somehow justifies not following through. It's been a long day. <laughs> or you deserve a treat. I do. Or it's too late to get in a full workout, so why bother? <laughs> or, hey, it's on sale, and it might not be on sale by the time my no-purchase month is over. <laughs> So I'm sure you recognize these thoughts or ones just like them. And these are the type of permission giving thoughts that we're talking about. They give us permission to abandon our plan. Now, I want to circle back to what I said right at the very beginning. I want to repeat that because I think it's important. Permission giving thoughts are the thoughts we allow into our brains that result in us choosing to engage in a behavior that we are working to avoid. Now, the reason I wanted to highlight that is because these things are totally within our control. These behaviors don't just happen. We choose to let them happen. And part of the choice is allowing that permission-giving thought to go unchecked. Absolutely. Although, actually, I want to just push back on the first part of your formulation. Yeah, feel free. These are thoughts we allow into our brains. Because I would say that thoughts like these are generated without our conscious control. I'm not sure really mm. it's an option to not allow these thoughts to arise. And we can talk more about how and why they're generated, where they're coming from. But I'm actually not sure that it's an option to simply not allow these thoughts to arise. But I mm. totally agree with you. We can and must decide how we're going to respond to them. And in order to do that, the first step is we have to recognize them for what they are. Because here's the thing, permission-giving thoughts are often disguised as fake logic. Absolutely. Fake logic is a huge part of this. For example, eating everything at a all-you-can-eat buffet because I paid for it is fake logic. Fake logic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the urge to eat the foods we don't even enjoy or aren't hungry for simply because they're free-ish or because we already paid for them at least is illogical and irrational. 
All-inclusive resorts and, and cruises and things like that are totally notorious for goading people into eating and drinking ridiculous amounts in some misguided attempt to get the most for their money. And that, this always leads me to think about those swim up bars and don't get me started on the swim up bar idea because this goes way beyond false logic and directly into crimes against humanity in my <laughs> Absolutely. mind. Right. But that logic, that fake argument pops up pretty quickly, right? Mm -hmm. And this is something that we spend a lot of time talking about with the people that we work with in our Way Less coaching program. And if you're curious about that, you can learn more at wayless.life. But in that program, we end up talking a lot about the many, many ways that we end up rationalizing overeating. Mm. Like, it's a special occasion, or it's a really, really special food, or I've had a rough day, or I deserve a treat, or I've been really good, so mm. I deserve a treat, mm -hmm. or even that old standby It'll go to waste if I don't eat it. Now, these are all permission-giving thoughts, and, and here's one more. We tell ourselves that it's okay because it's just this once. It won't matter because it's just this once. And of course, the problem is that this just this once excuse starts occurring several times a week or <laughs> several times a day. Right. And when we give ourselves permission to overeat that often, obviously it can add up to weighing more than we would like. You know, when we chose this topic for this episode, I was talking to some friends over the course of the week and was collecting some of the permission-giving thoughts that they were aware of in their own lives. And here are some, some of my favorites. There was one for giving permission to have snacks in the evening. And the, the thought was, well, I'll just finish the bag and then they'll be gone and I won't ever buy them again. <laughs> That's right. The best way to stop eating these is to finish them. <laughs> is to eat them all. <laughs> right. Yeah. And another one was uh, a permission giving thought for online spending. And then, then the thought was, well, what's the point of working so hard if I can't buy myself nice or fun things? Ooh, good one. And there was one for daily drinking. And the thought was... I'm supporting local businesses by drinking these fancy craft beers. Oh my gosh, your friends are like ninjas with their permission-giving thoughts. <laughs> Absolutely. These are really good These are good, good ones. ones. Yeah. yeah. They're slick. There was another one for eating junk food, and I can totally identify with this one. And the thought was, well, I work out regularly and I don't smoke, so I can get away with eating mm -hmm. junk food every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And this has got to be my absolute favorite. I have a friend who permisses all kinds of bad behaviors because he is a vegetarian and he doesn't drink alcohol. So the moral high ground is really strong with him. <laughs> he uses that in all kinds of ways. Now, don't get us wrong here. There are times when giving yourself permission is totally okay and totally worth it. But again, like Monica said, if it starts occurring every day or several times a day, well, that's not going to get us any closer to our goals. Yeah, I'm glad you made that point. This isn't about never allowing yourself to depart from the plan. Sometimes that's exactly the right choice. But I think the goal here is not to stop having these thoughts, because as I said, I'm not sure that's even possible. It's really just about catching them when they go by and just cross-examining them a little bit because we don't have to accept every quote-unquote fact or logical argument that our brain cooks up. We can question 
is that really true? Does that really make sense? Do I really believe that? And perhaps the most important question of all, what does having this thought lead to? And mm. is that somewhere I actually want to go? Oh, yeah, such a good question to ask. But look, let's talk a little bit about where these thoughts are coming from and what part of our brain is spitting this stuff out. Right. Well, uh, let's start here. Let's start with what part of our life these ideas may come from. They may start from our parents, from our caregivers, the, the things that we kind of grew up believing were fact because we heard them from people of authority. Like thoughts like, well, buy yourself something nice. It'll make you feel better. Mm. That's something we probably have all heard from people who care about us and, and want the best for us. Mm -hmm. And then some of these beliefs come from TV, movies, and books where we just hear them repeated in various different locations so often that we, we believe them to be true or they just get ingrained in us, like things like, I have to finish everything on my plate because there are starving people in the world. Which finishing everything on your plate does absolutely nothing to help, by the way. But Absolutely nothing, yeah. It's, it ends up in your belly or it ends up in the garbage. Either way, the starving people are not benefiting from <laughs> any of it. But most often, these permission-giving thoughts just come from our own brain. It has spent years trying out excuses to see which one works. And then when one works, it gets remembered. And this is actually part of the role of dopamine in our brain. A lot of people sort of believe that dopamine is more about the pleasure, but it actually kicks in more with mediating our reward-driven learning. So this is part of the learning. When it's trying out these different permission-giving thoughts and it finds one that works, then it uses it again and again to the point where we don't even notice it anymore, which is why we thought this episode is so important, because we need to start noticing these thoughts so we can take back control. Absolutely. And this actually came up just this week um, with folks over in the Way Less program. So we do have a part of our brain that is hardwired to do three things. Number one, seek pleasure. Number two, avoid pain. And number three, save energy, mostly by creating habits around those things that bring pleasure and avoid pain. And this is the part of our brain that can get us into so much trouble. It is very sneaky, very wily, very creative, as we saw from the mm. examples from your friends. And exactly as Brock just said, it will, through trial and error, very effectively figure out which permission-giving thoughts are most effective in getting an immediate reward, because that's the only type of reward that that part of our brain is interested in. Long-term goals, meaningless to that part of the brain. <laughs> but I do think it's important to recognize that this part of our brain, which we often label as self-sabotage, is actually not out to get us or to do us harm. It's actually trying to help. And I think it's important to make that point because it makes us feel a lot less, I don't know, divided against ourselves when we can see hmm. that this function in our brain is all in the service of survival. And it is doing the best it can to help us survive. It's just that that drive to seek pleasure and avoid pain is a fairly primitive drive. And in our modern world, where there is so much pleasure available to us for so little cost, or so little immediate cost anyway, that drive and the habits that it creates can really get in the way of achieving our goals and our objectives. 
And those goals and objectives, of course, are the province of the more sophisticated part of our brains, those parts that can weigh future costs against the short-term benefits and that has the capacity to delay gratification. Unfortunately, that part of our brain is still highly susceptible to those permission-giving thoughts. Recently, I read a book called The Healthy Deviant. And in that book, she refers to us being gorillas in an arcade. Mm. Our biology hasn't really moved out of the jungle or the forest or wherever we came from, but we're now thrust into this place where there are blinking lights and snacks and music and all kinds of entertainment and carbohydrate and everything all over the place. And it's no wonder that we just get so caught up in it because we're, it really is so alluring. And when our brain is looking for the most pleasure and the least pain, the gorilla in the arcade is going to make some pretty bad choices. Yeah, for sure. There's also a really good discussion of this in a book called Dopamine Nation, which I Mm. read a little bit, a little while ago. I found that very helpful. Um, And we can put links to those in the show notes. But yeah, so a lot of this, the call is definitely coming from inside the house. (laughs) But you know what? We also do want you to keep an ear out for these messages when they're coming from others and be just as skeptical of them. You know, that peer pressure you get from your friends to, oh, come on, just relax a little or don't be such a hard ass or don't ruin the fun or Hmm. just this once won't matter. Come on. Because those messages obviously can serve to confirm or reinforce our own permission-giving thoughts. But look, these are really other people's attempts to give themselves permission. Mm -hmm. Because one of their permission-giving thoughts may be, hey, it's not a big deal. Look, everybody's doing it. And if you're not doing it, that kind of gets in their way. Right. And starting to pay attention to those other people's permission-giving thoughts. I Well, for example, I started doing this about drinking. I think if you remember an episode from uh, quite a while ago where we were talking or I was talking about doing a thing called Sober October, mm-hmm. I started looking at other people's beliefs or other people's permission giving thoughts about drinking. And that helped me realize that a lot of those don't apply to me. Right. Which was all the more reason to not let them run the show in my own brain. But after I realized this, I actually found it really helpful to make a list of the common permission giving thoughts that don't actually apply to me. One of the thoughts that doesn't apply to me is that drinking makes me more fun to be around. Now, I've heard people say this all a lot, but I don't believe it about myself. But the key thing here is that these can actually work as permission-giving thoughts in sort of a reverse logic way, because when we get to the point where we're making that decision or allowing that permission-giving thought to, to work its magic, I actually found myself thinking, well, I don't believe that to be true, so it must be okay for me to engage in this behavior, right? See, another example of just how crafty and creative that part of our brain can be in talking us into those immediate rewards. It will try anything. It will, yeah. And we have to be aware of it. We have to be on patrol if we want to make some some changes. But once we've identified them and once we've sort of... uh, caught these in in action, the next step after we identify some of the particularly repetitive thoughts that we have is to look a little deeper and see if the problem can be solved or the goal can be achieved another way. So, okay, here's an example. If you find yourself reaching for that evening glass of wine 
every single night or most nights anyway, because you're stressed out from a long day at work. Here's three things that, that you can try. First, identify if that stressed out feeling is actually true, or if it's just a story that you're telling yourself. Sometimes we get caught up in that whole idea that we need to be so busy and we need to be so frazzled all the time, and we start to really believe it when it's not completely true. And the second thing we can look at is to identify what is so stressful about our job or about our life, and then work on finding ways to manage that stress in the moment, rather than waiting to the end of the day to try to numb and then the third thing is to, well, look for ways to unwind that don't lead you to engage in a behavior that leads you farther away from your goals. There are many ways to unwind at the end of the day that don't involve wine or treats or spending or anything like that. So I think those are, are three really important steps to take. So we have kind of wrapped this up into a lab experiment for you. But before we give you that, let's just sum up a couple of the more important takeaways from our conversation. Right. Number one, permission giving thoughts are not to be trusted at face value. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Although they may seem reasonable or logical, they are frequently neither one. Number two, in order to evaluate their validity, we have to notice them for what they are, and they tend to hide in plain sight. Number three, that part of our brain that generates these thoughts is not the enemy. But sometimes its attempts to help are less than helpful. And finally, sometimes giving ourselves permission is actually an acceptable choice. We just want to be conscious of what we're doing. And that's what this week's lab experiment is designed to do. You know, I love number three, the part of our brain that generates these thoughts is not the enemy. Mm. And in fact, that part of your brain can be leveraged for the power of good. <laughs> Good point. Once we replace those thoughts with some helpful thoughts, it can become the feedback loop. It doesn't have to be damaging. These, these permission-giving thoughts can actually work in our favor once we've gone through all these steps. So to that end, here is how to apply this information, otherwise known as your lab experiment. So we want you to make a list of your permission-giving thoughts. Now this act of actually making the list not only gets them out in the open exposed for what they are but it also gives you a place to look back and remind yourself then you can be ready for those thoughts and being ready for those thoughts means we can cut them off before they do any damage you know i actually like to to say hello there thought <laughs> i see you there and i am not playing by your rules Talking to them as if they're uh, an old friend is kind of helpful because, again, it's not the enemy. Well, and also another version of that that I find useful is to is to say, hey, thanks for the assist. I got this, you know, to acknowledge mm. that those thoughts are coming from a place that's trying to be helpful, but I'm going to go ahead and override that. But without having taken the time to inventory the thoughts before they happen, it's a lot harder to identify them. So do make that step. Yes, for sure. And you know what? I like to approach this as a game, like a scavenger hunt. Like the more permission-giving thoughts you can spot over the course of a week, the more points you get. Nice. And I think it's a little bit like playing that children's game book, Where's Waldo? 
Because just like Waldo, permission-giving thoughts are usually hiding in plain sight. We just don't see them in the context, in the busyness of the, of the frame. But once you spot Waldo in the picture, you know, you can't unsee him. And once you spot these permission-giving thoughts, they then become a lot harder to miss. And for all you um, UK listeners or Canadian listeners out there, that's Where's Wally? Oh, really? He has a different name? He does. Does he still wear a red and white striped he jumper? looks exactly the same. He's just okay. Wally instead of Waldo. <laughs> okay. You know, and once you really start tuning in and start collecting these thoughts on your little scavenger hunt, I hope that you'll even be amused to see the absurdity or the creativity. Maybe you'll even be impressed by the creativity of some of your permission giving thoughts. Because I think anytime we can bring a little humor to this sort of thing, it's a huge win. It's not about beating ourselves up or catching ourselves in a lie. That's not what this is about. It's more about understanding how our brain works and consciously deciding to be a bit more in the driver's seat instead of turning things over to our autopilot, because we found that this usually brings us to more rewarding destinations. Right. How many permission-giving thoughts can you detect? And just notice what happens when you label them. Oh, here's a permission-giving thought. You might find them a lot less compelling once they've been tagged. Right. And another way to tag them is to actually figure out what time of the day you can expect these thoughts to appear. <laughs> and if you're always giving yourself permission to engage in some behavior right after work, well, make a note of that in your little notebook so you can be ready at that time of day for it. Or maybe Saturday morning is a common time for you to engage in another particular permission. Well, write that down so you can be ready and welcome it, then dismiss it, and move on with your day. <laughs> okay, now I have an image of standing in an old-time train station, looking up the tracks and looking at my watch. <laughs> like, oh, here comes the 539. Right. It can be that much. Uh, it can almost be that punctual. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, if you found this discussion helpful... I want you to pay it forward by sharing it with someone that you think would also find it useful. Our mission with this Change Academy podcast is to help as many people as possible move toward their ideal self and their best life. And you, our listeners, can help us fulfill that mission by just helping us reach more people. So we actually set a goal to grow our audience by 50% by the end of 2022. Ooh. But you know what? That growth is going to happen one listener at a time. And you are the perfect person to know who that next person should be. So share it with a friend. And we'll be back soon. Here's to the changes we choose. All right. All right. Thanks, everyone. This has been the Change Academy podcast with Brock Armstrong and Monica Reinagle.